Welcome to Truly Creepy with Brittany and Sarah. Waiting for it to start recording gives me so much anxiety. Well, I think we it's should... recording and that it caught that. <laughs> <laughs> we should keep that. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> well, hello. Hello. You how are you Tuesday? doing? You know exactly how I'm feeling right about now. <laughs> <laughs> and we're twinning again. Again. Doing this. I know. I literally, this is my only purple shirt. Uh, well, that's interesting because I own like seven purple shirts because it's my favorite color. This is my, well, you like teal too, don't you? Teal and purple? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I remember that from when I got you that cake for your birthday a couple years ago. Indeed. A couple years ago. I'm pretty sure that was when I turned like 28 or 27. Yeah, see, this was like your first birthday after we met. So like 2017. I can't math at the moment. Hold on. (laughs) Five years ago. So I'll be 32. So it was 28. No, 27. It was, it was 2017. Okay. So I was... I was 27 and you were a year younger than me. So that would have been your 26th birthday? Yes. Okay. There we go. We got it. (sighs) Alrighty. Well, I am in the mood to sit back. Learn about some murder. And learn about some murder. Some moida. Let's hear it. All right. I've got a moida, but it also deals in the paranormal. Shut the front door. I swear to God, I was just listening to the And That's Why We Drink, and Christine said the exact same thing. <laughs> she also said Moida. <laughs> she did not. She did not. That was definitely, you one up her on that one. So today our story is about Teresita Bassa. She was born in the Philippines in 1929. She was the only child of Pedro and Socorro Basa, I'm sorry if I pronounced that wrong. She graduated from the University of Assumption in Manila in the early 1960s and then immigrated to the United States. Her original plan was to study music, but over time her interests changed and she began studying the human body and became a respiratory therapist. In 1977, 47-year-old Teresita was living and working in Chicago, Illinois. She was a respiratory therapist at Edgewater Hospital. She loved her life in Chicago and had even gone back to school at Loyola University where she was working on her doctoral thesis in music. So she still had an interest in music and had decided to go back for a doctorate. Um, In her spare time, she was also teaching piano lessons from her apartment. And her co-workers described her as a quiet, intelligent, and unassuming woman. Everyone liked her and she had no enemies. So just like upstanding citizen, super smart. Yes. Super smart. Loved her job. Her patients raved about her. You know, she was very dedicated to her work and, you know, just living her life and enjoying Chicago in the 70s. So. Windy city. On February 21st, 1977, started as any other day for Teresita. She worked a shift at Edgewater Hospital and then returned home to her apartment. 
At about 7.30, she received a call from one of her very good friends, Ruth Loeb. They spoke for about 20 minutes before Teresita said that she needed to get off the phone and get ready for a male visitor. However, she didn't tell Ruth the name of the man that she was expecting. A little before 9 p.m., Teresita's neighbors down the hall, and I'm probably going to butcher this name, Marid and Catherine Nazi, K-N-A-Z-Z-E. Nazi? I mean, I would assume that that K is silent. Yeah. Uh, we're going to go with it. <laughs> they began to smell smoke, <laughs> but couldn't figure out where it was coming from, so they told the building's janitor, and he called the Chicago Fire Department. Uh, within minutes, the fire department arrived and evacuated the building and began searching for the source of the smoke. Uh, as they approached the corridor of the building where the Nazis' apartment is uh, was located, it was quickly filling with smoke. And so searching this area, they discovered that the source of the smoke was apartment 15B, Teresita's apartment. Ooh. Firefighters entered the apartment and were able to put out the fire within minutes, but once the fire was out, they made a gruesome discovery. The source of the fire was a mattress on the floor of the apartment. Under the mattress, firefighters discovered the naked body of Teresita Bassa with a kitchen knife sticking out of her chest. Oh! Detectives were called to the scene and a homicide investigation began. Can you imagine going for, like, a call about smoke and finding such a horrifying... Like, I was already off-put by the fact that her body was under the mattress, and then the knife just, like, yeah. made it extra cringe. Oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, so, detectives concluded that the fire had been started to try and cover up the evidence of the murder, obviously. Uh, the murderers had stabbed Teresita, thrown a pile of clothes on top of her, and then lit them on fire. Originally, it was believed that Teresita had been raped before her murder since she was naked, but her autopsy revealed that there were no signs of a sexual assault. This left the detectives confused about what had happened leading up to her murder, and they weren't really sure what could have been the motive. Um, the fire had caused a lot of damage to her apartment, but it was clear before the fire was set that the apartment had been rummaged through. Uh, this led detectives to believe that it was a robbery that could have been the motive. Unfortunately, since Teresita lived alone and rarely had visitors, it was hard for investigators to figure out what, if anything, was missing from her apartment. That's the, so the, strange. Yeah. And the small amount of evidence that investigators were able to collect from the scene was a note Teresita had written to herself stating, get theater tickets for AS. No one knew who AS was or how long this note had been there before it was discovered, but it was all that they had to go on. The killer had managed to somehow leave no physical evidence behind. Wow. Which I imagine that anything that, I mean, the fire probably did its job of getting rid of anything that it had left behind, but. I mean, true. Uh, over the next several weeks, investigators interviewed those who knew Teresita, but all they learned was that she was a friendly, quiet woman who was adored by her patients and extremely dedicated to her job. The case eventually went cold with no new information or leads. Which, you know how I feel about cold cases. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Many people began to believe that Teresita's case would remain unsolved and a killer would get away. Teresita's body was returned to her family in the Philippines and she received a proper burial. Okay. Then the case picked back up in July of 1977, so about like five months later, when investigators received a call from Dr. Jose Chua, Chua 
a surgeon that worked at Edgewater Hospital, claiming that he had information about Teresita's murder. Dr. Chua told investigators that his wife, Remy, who worked with Teresita as respiratory therapist at Edgewater, had been having dreams and become possessed on three separate occasions by the spirit of Teresita Bosco. Oh, okay. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> boom, Stay tuned for next week when we do part two. See you guys. <laughs> Just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> According to Dr. Chua, his wife appeared to be in a trance and of speaking in Tagalog, Teresita's native language, which Remy knew but re- very rarely spoke. The voice coming through, his wife said, Doctor, I need your help. The man who murdered me is still at large. Dr. Tua asked the voice what their name was and was surprised when the voice said, I am Teresita Bassa. You do not need to be afraid. But the um, I am was spoken in Tagalog. And I just put it in English in my notes because I wasn't going to try and pronounce that. Um, So one of my friends is from the Philippines and she tried to teach me Tagalog like a really long time ago. Yeah. And... It's it's very not different, but it's definitely like a difficult language to pick up. Yes, and so I wasn't gonna try and do that, but when she said "I am Teresita," the "I am" part was spoken in her native language, and then she okay. said, "You do not need to be afraid." The well, voice pleaded sh- with Doctor Chua to help her solve her murder. I mean, I would probably still be afraid if my spouse was. <laughs> Yeah, excuse me, but Boys you're gonna being taken over by a spirit of our dead coworker. But I mean, I mean, yeah, that that's that's like that's like the episode of The Office where Dwight starts the fire, and then everyone starts freaking out. He's like, "No need to panic," and it's like, uh, like "No, excuse <laughs> the fuck out of me." That's exactly when I'm gonna panic. <laughs> exactly. Um, So Remy claimed that the dreams had started not long after Teresita had been murdered. She decided to take a nap one day in the nurse's lounge at work and was woken up to find Teresita standing next to her. Oh, no. Yes. Remy knew that Teresita was dead and freaked out. So she left the nurse's lounge and tried to forget what she had seen. But Teresita kept appearing to her and the spirit kept getting more insistent. And so they finally decided to say something to detectives. Um, when speaking with the detectives, the Jewess told them that they didn't come forward sooner because they were afraid that no one would believe them, which, like, honestly, same. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I I would feel like if I had something like that to say, that would just be, like, my ticket to a psych ward. Yeah, like, no one's going to believe, especially in the 70s. Like, they'd probably just think you were tripping or something. Like, Oh, yeah, absolutely. They would just send you for a drug test. Like, what What are you on right now? Um, fortunately, though, the detectives took them seriously and began investigating what they had told them, probably because they didn't have any other leads to go on. So they were like, what the heck? <laughs> I could see that, though. Just like, oh, fuck it. Let's just see where this goes. Give it a go. Uh, so through Remy, Teresita told them that a man named Alan Showery, a respiratory technician who worked with Teresita and Remy at Edgewater Hospital, was her killer. According to The Voice, Alan had agreed to come over and fix Teresita's broken TV, but once he got there, things took an ugly turn. Showery was jealous of the expensive jewelry that Teresita's dad had bought in France for her mom and was now 
now belonged to Teresita. Showery killed Teresita and stole the jewelry. The voice coming through Remy named several people who could help identify the pieces of jewelry that he had stolen. Oh, so that's like, Rogue is like, look, this dude needs to go down. <laughs> yeah, and I'm assuming, like, since no one ever really came over to her apartment and, like, she's not going to be wearing her expensive jewelry to work yeah. as a respiratory therapist. So I'm sure, like, other than, like, a handful of people who knew her really well, they would never have, like, known she had this jewelry. It wasn't something that she would have been flashing around. So the voice had named four people that could help them identify pieces of jewelry. Oh, my God. This just keeps getting crazier and crazier. Right? Uh, since the only ev other evidence besides the voice was the note with AS on it, detectives started looking into this Alan showery. When detectives initially went to question him, he came with them quietly without questioning them. They took this as a quiet acknowledgement of his guilt, and showery tried to deny his involvement in Teresita's murder, citing that their only evidence was a ghost from the great beyond. <laughs> Which sounds like so dramatic. But it like sounds so ridiculous. But like I'm pretty sure I would be like, no, you crazy. A ghost <laughs> told you I did it. Like <laughs> I know. Like, okay, like where did you hear this? What you smoking? <laughs> Whatever you're some? smoking, exactly. Can I have some of that? Because this seems crazy. <laughs> Maybe I could get on the same level here. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Maybe yeah, so he, he denied his involvement, you know, because a ghost had told him that he did it. And during the investigation into him, detectives discovered that he lived fairly close to Teresita's apartment and had, in fact, agreed to fix her broken TV the night that she was murdered. While talking to Shari's girlfriend, Yanka, they were told that Alan had no knowledge of electronics and would have no idea how to fix a TV. Wow. Gosh, suspicious. That is very suspicious. While talking to her, they noticed some very interesting jewelry. Detectives oh. questioned her, and she claimed that Alan had bought it for her. This jewelry was the jewelry identified to belong to Teresita. I know, we're all shocked. Oh, shit. Uh, Alan Jowry was arrested and charged with murder. He originally pleaded not guilty, but after several weeks in jail, he changed his plea to guilty. Shari admitted oh. to murdering Teresita Bassa. He told detectives that he had originally gone to her apartment to rob her because he needed money for rent. But things escalated and he ended up stabbing Teresita in the chest, killing her. He covered up the murder by stripping her clothes off of her to try and make it look like a sexual assault gone wrong. He then set fire to cover up any evidence that he may have left behind. And this had all been in vain, however, because Teresita only had $30 in her apartment. Oh. He decided to take the jewelry to make up for the lack of money, because naturally. Wow. After Shari changed his plea to guilty, the public speculated that maybe Teresita's ghost had haunted him while he was behind bars. And he took responsibility in hopes of the ghost leaving him alone, which I think would be awesome if that's what happened. I mean, I've heard of that happening in some other cases where, like, yeah. the people that people have murdered have, like, come back and haunted them in their, like, jail cells. But I a lot of those, I wonder if it's their guilty conscience that's haunting them or if it's an actual. 
I mean, I feel like if you are, if you're stuck in a cell and you already have like this guilt, it's going to manifest in really weird ways. Yeah. So other people speculated that he, his lawyer had convinced him to plead guilty because he'd get a shorter sentence, which I can kind of lean more towards that one being factual, but it would be pretty awesome if she had gone and tortured him. I, I like that better. Honestly. But, like, I'm still kind of stuck. I mean, I get it's the 70s, and I don't know, like, what rent was like back then. But, I mean, you're a tech, but you have a decent job. Like, what kind of apartment are you living in to where... Yeah, I'm not sure. It didn't, like, mention any of that. It just said that his motive was that he needed rent money. He was having financial difficulties. So. Mm, Sus. I mean, anything. Unforeseen medical bill or... <laughs> I mean, I mean, true. There are things that come up. I get that. Yeah. So, um, he pled guilty and he was sentenced to 14 years. However, he only served five of them before being paroled in 1983. He was able to move to New York and start a whole new life as a free man. Like many others, I feel that the justice system failed Teresita. Her murderer served less than half of his already too short sentence, and he got to go on and live his life like nothing had happened. But he killed Teresita in cold blood and all he, like, he stole jewelry. And, like, I don't understand our justice system, which we talk about this a lot. It doesn't make any sense to me. It doesn't make any sense. I'm glad she was able to come back and help solve him so they know who did it. And hopefully that gave her family a little bit of closure, you know, even if he didn't serve as much time as he should have. And so do you believe that her ghost actually came back and spoke through Remy Chua? Uh, Okay, so I fully believe that spirits can come back through, like, visions or dreams and, like, we're in a vulnerable state and they can kind of manipulate that and come back. Fully coming back and possessing her seems a little bit far-fetched to me. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if she had some kind of psychic ability or was really into spiritualism, that line can kind of get a little gray. Yeah. But me personally, I mean, I've had loved ones come visit me in dreams, and it's felt very real. Yeah. So I could see that, and especially because there were some details of things that, like, she should not have known. Well, yeah, and it doesn't sound like they were friends. It's, like, from what I can tell, they were just, like, co-workers who knew each other. And maybe it was because they, like, had, like, you know, the background. I think, like, Remy appears to have also been Filipino. So maybe it was that... Maybe they had some kind of beliefs or something that kind of lined up together to where she knew that this was one person that would actually take her seriously. Yeah. Or that she could have a connection with to be able to come across and tell her story. Especially since she knew that Remy would be able to, like, understand her native language. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. 
And it appears I, that when she came back, like she spoke through her native language. So, which is interesting to me. That's very interesting to me because that makes me wonder, like, what happens with spirits or people when they pass on who like are fluent in two languages? Can they go back and forth? Can they? Do they just go back to their native tongue? I mean, that's go a very back, interesting. Back to the beginning. <laughs> Sorry. You know I can't help it. I can't either. I do it all the time. I can correlate a song lyric into our... (laughs) Listen, I have been singing past the cranberry sauce for like a week straight now. All right, so I had that stuck in my head. I have never seen Bob's Burgers, by the way. Me either. Me either. But you sent me that video on Thanksgiving, and I had it stuck in my head for like a solid like 12 hours. I my family is so over my bullshit when it comes to that. We my family's won't been over be... my bullshit for a long time. <laughs> we like won't even be eating like Thanksgiving dinner, like because we still have some leftovers. We won't even be eating that, and I'll just start with past the cranberry sauce, and they're just <laughs> like, "Oh my god, will you shut up?" <laughs> Did you know them the video? No, I've just been giving them my horrible singing rendition of it. It's probably more entertaining. Honestly, it is. It is. But yeah, it's... that I don't. So I don't know about that's that. That's my story. So, what do you guys think? Do you think a ghost can solve their own murder? Let us know. Yes, and the ways that you can let us know are to reach out to us on our email, which is trulycreepypodcast at gmail dot com. We have our social medias. At truly underscore creepy on Twitter, at truly creepy on Instagram, or truly creepy podcast with Brittany and Sarah on Facebook. We also have our Patreon, which is this patreon.com slash truly creepy, or you can search for us. I found the picture of my turkey in the bathtub. I was wondering where I that was. I found it. I found it yesterday. So I will post a picture of that only on Patreon. So if you want to see the chaos that is my life when I try to cook, you can head on over there and you can see that picture. I don't know what story I'm going to be doing this week. I have a really, really, really good one that I'm going to be doing, but I think that that one is going to be my last like big shebang before Christmas. Okay. So let's see, that would be, I've got one, two, three, like four. It'll be four episodes from now. And that one's going to be a doozy. So I hope that you guys enjoyed the Biltmore. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. That's just crazy. It really boggles have, my mind. You only some have people, three before. Three? Yeah. Well, because I've got my one this that week. Po- yes. And then, and then the 6th, then... 13th, and the 20th. Okay, I don't know why I was thinking Thursday. Because we record on Thursdays for you. Yeah, I'm out of it. Anyways, don't listen to me. I'm not good with math at all. I'm pretty sure we've demonstrated that neither of us is very good at math. <laughs> Which is funny since at one point I was very good at math and, you know, pre-med and all of that. Oh, yes. Well, you know, here I am going into my new job where a lot of it's going to have to be math. So hopefully I get good at math real quick. 
Yeah, but you're good at like that kind of math. Yeah, very true. Just know that <laughs> if I come to you in a dream and after I've passed on, if I go first and I come to you in a dream trying to tell you about dates and I'm getting them completely wrong, you'll know it's actually me. Yes, when I have to interpret what you're talking about, I will certainly know that. I'm just going to get a really good grasp because I also heard that too, that like sometimes some spirits can like manipulate technology and like send text messages. So when you start getting really, really bad auto-corrected text messages <laughs> from a random number, you'll know it's me. <laughs> so yes, I will know. Yes, with that, I'm interested to know if maybe other listeners that we have may not have had this kind of contact with someone from the other world, but if you've had any of your loved ones or family members come to you in dreams, or if you've had any family members who have had that experience, I would love to hear about it. So definitely reach out to us on our social yes, medias. or that. love to hear about it. Yeah, definitely. So I can't wait to hear from you guys. This was a really good one. It was a good one. I found it and I was like, oh, I got to do this one. Yeah, that was good. That was shocking and just... That was just wild. I, I love that you, one. It was a moida that you edged were, on the side of paranormal. You were spot on with that one. That a little awesome. bit of everything. Love it. Love it. All right. Well, keep it truly creepy. Bye.